from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Petrangelo scores! Two markers for Petrangelo! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Hey, you guys hear Jack Eichel, uh, there's some news out of Buffalo. Big news coming in on Jack Eichel and the uh, Buffalo Sabres who are at odds... They got a contract, $10 million contract. Is he the unhappiest $10 million player ever? Yes. Yeah? Probably. Can we, can we say that? Oh, the unhappiest $10 million player ever. He He's played on a terrible team. So, I mean, okay. at, some, at some point you have to think that you want to win regardless of how much money you're making. It doesn't sound like this is about really about well <laughs> just winning. I, I, I can't say anything about Buffalo because I've never been there. I'll leave that to Ryan, but maybe being mm-hmm. in Buffalo has something to do with it as well. So let me tell you this. I mm-hmm. love Buffalo. I think Buffalo so is pretty awesome. I really do. It, it's a great place. Um, I'm not just saying that because my wife is from Buffalo, but if she was listening right now, I think I'm getting brownie points. I'm not allowed to speak ill of Buffalo anymore. She has made that very clear. Um, that all being said, Jack Eichel wants out of Buffalo, and I think rightfully so. So, you know, yes, he is the most unhappy $10 million player knowing that he is still a Buffalo Sabre. All right, I'm going to give you the news on Buffalo in a little bit uh, because uh, Jack Eichel is making some news when it comes to the Sabres. It kind of got quiet there for a little bit. Switched agents? It's been, it's been quiet all oh, no, summer but, but there long. Was some back, there was back and forth, and uh, like he said, she said, uh, they said, yeah. uh, and everybody seemed to be talking at, at one point. But yeah. just nothing was happening. And then you got the switch in agents, and it all went quiet. But now now we got some news. I also want to get into uh, some of the Vegas Golden Knights uh, scuttlebutt, as we are a week out from the start of rookie camp and the rookie tournament that will take place in Arizona, and a great chance to see some of the prospects. And uh, uh, I was talking to Dylan Coughlin a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. on Nighttime at Noon, and we were kind of going back, and we started restructuring the last time that the Golden Knights had a rookie camp and played in that mm-hmm. rookie tournament. A couple of years ago, it was in Anaheim. And you look at the players that were on that team that took part in the most recent uh, Vegas Golden Knights rookie tournament, and there's like four guys, five guys, that are now full-time National Hockey Leaguers. Big, quick turnaround. And considering we ha- we, we missed last year, uh, all mm-hmm. the players that uh, that maybe would possibly get a pass on, on skating with the rookies, or they're all going. Like they're, Everybody's going to get some experience and to get uh, under the watchful eye uh, of the coaching staff. So it's going to be a fascinating uh, rookie tournament in Arizona for VGK Brass. VGK coaching staff, the Henderson coaching staff, Manny Viveros and company, and and us uh, just being able to lay our eyes on Luke Cormier. Like, there's one player where we've heard so much about, but we haven't been able to 
to really focus on. And uh, I'm, I'm really pumped up about uh, VGK Rookie Camp in one week's time. Uh, it falls uh, right after the VGK Fan Fest next Thursday at the D. And the players are going to be there. Uh, we are going to uh, do a meet and greet because we're going to do the show live from uh, Fan Fest over at the D. Uh, we want everybody, all, all of our loyal listeners uh, and regular listeners, to come over and talk. We might even like take a, an extra headset. And if Rita, Rita, you <laughs> pop by, you're coming on the air with us, Rita, right there. You don't have to oh, dial boy. in. Stephanie, you're right there. Lou, Papa Lou, you're right there. Uh, so let's uh, let's get all of our regular callers and maybe a chance to to meet uh, some people. The only one I've I've actually met is Mike. Uh, met him really? at uh, at Mackenzie River last mm-hmm. year. But everybody else, I want I want I want a, like a big love in uh, with with all our regular listeners. And then should I should I let it? I can do that. No, I I, I take I take, or should I hold off? I think hold off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Let it let it let it sit a little bit. There's, let it baste in the marinade. All right. There's what? just a bit what of news. There's a bit of news that's going to uh, occur at FanFest, and I'm really excited about this. Uh, and I'll, I'll 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 release it in a while. Because a couple of years ago, Lawless and I had a big fight there. <laughs> you mean what ended up happening was Gary. Within the rules of the competition, there was no beat rules. Yeah, there was. I thought there was rules. Well, I there, there, there was were a, no rules in the competition. Yeah, there was. He I, was thought fine. There, I thought there was a gentleman's agreement. There wasn't a gentleman's agreement. He ruled me. He I'm, ambushed you. I am out. I am out to uh, make good on that and try mm-hmm. to prove to everybody that I can handle myself. And I've got an update mm-hmm. uh, on that front. So uh, we got a lot, we got a lot going on uh, today. Oh, and our continuing countdown of top five, bottom five. Today is the fourth installment, and we are going to bring you our number two best team, each of us, going into the National mm-hmm. Hockey League season. So the back, second best team in the National Hockey League and the second worst team in the National Hockey League. And I thought number three would get juicy. I'm not going to say disappointed, but I don't think there was as, as much uh, – nastiness there when you're either the second best or the second worst there's no way to get around that you are falling mm-hmm. under either a, a very uh bad grouping or you're on a high podium and that's uh that's coming up in just a little bit i'm excited i can't wait for that yeah do you do you, um did you have trouble with your which do you have more trouble with top five or bottom five in getting mm-hmm. in getting those five I, I didn't have any trouble at all really? <laughs> on either one, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I, I have pretty, pretty solidified opinions on which teams I think are, are among the best in the league, and I, I have pretty strong opinions on which teams I think are among the worst. And, you know, as far as these types of big overarching predictions go, um, I don't really care if I'm wrong. That's kind of the other thing. Like, as as much as I go into these wanting to to be as close to what ends up happening uh, as I possibly can, I don't really care. Like, if Boston's terrible or Boston's great, that's fantastic. I don't really it doesn't really bother me if I'm wrong in this prediction. I look at these teams, I look at their rosters, and I I, I trust what I see on them. But still, 
like one side had to give you a little bit more difficulty than the other in getting down to those five teams. I had I had more difficulty zeroing in on the five worst teams. I had seven that were could possibly be included. I really agonized over six. And the top five just seemed to be easier for me. Like there's just seems to be a separation at the uh, at the top. In in regards to what you're saying, like I had probably an extra bad team. Like I I, I kind of had one more. Whereas with the top mm-hmm. five teams, it was those top five teams. There there was never a point in time where I was entertaining or trying to talk myself into a six team being among the five. It's it was it's been these five for me, and it's been this way ever since we started doing this exercise. Uh, I spent so much time this summer with Brits, and that just naturally got me into a conversation about soccer and football. And they really were interested in the National Hockey League. And I've got a couple of uh, people who uh, we'll bring on here from time to time uh, from Great Britain because they're fascinated by the Golden Knights and they love the National Hockey League, one in particular uh, from the BBC. And his he just couldn't get over the fact that the, there's 32 teams in the league now and they all play each other. Like He, he just couldn't figure out why you wouldn't have like two two leagues and have that relegation and try to play your way into the upper league. And it's, it's all what you're used to. And we're mm-hmm. right. Baseball doesn't have this. N- none of our major sports have that. Uh, but it's, it's so common in, in the European uh, language of sports. After listening to them for a while and going through the different scenarios, uh, it's kind of cool. Now, European hockey has that. Mm-hmm. The Swedish leagues, really? uh, the, 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 some of the different leagues, they have the KHL doesn't, but, uh, but they, they do. And when you look at it, it, it kind of creates a, a game and a, and, a, and a sort of competition within the competition. And it's the money that's at stake to stay in that top league is so extreme that I get the the impression that there's almost or could be more pressure to stay in the top league than there is to win the championship just because of the money <laughs> at stake that goes with the TV deal and the sponsorship deals uh, for those top leagues. So would would you ever be interested in like 16 and 16, like a, a Premier 1 NHL and a Premier uh, second division? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be interesting. It'd be a bit spicy. You've got certainly a lot of extra storylines if if that were the case. Now, what I what I find interesting, or what I'd find interesting about it, is you know, if if you're in a situation where you could get relegated, you're not going to have a three to five year rebuild. Like you're going to do everything in your power as an owner, as a general manager, to make your team as good as it possibly can be. And I think that that's kind of the ultimate expression of a results-based business. So as as difficult as it might be for some teams in in stretches, I think it'd be fascinating and really fun to watch. I love the idea of promotion and relegation. Like, uh, as a huge <laughs> soccer fan, it's something that, that I am all about. However, from a North American model standpoint, I don't think it's a good business model because we, we've – for, for starters, ownership stands to lose lots and lots of money, especially when it comes to television rights deals. Um, I think Germany Germany has it cool because they have 
an 18 division or 18 team league. So you could expand here and add a couple more teams. But where it gets really cool is the bottom two teams are relegated. But then the team that finishes third from the bottom has a playoff against the team that finishes third from top yeah, yeah. in the second division. And those two teams will battle it out. And the winner of that playoff either stays in the top division, the Bundesliga, or they are relegated to Bundesliga 2, which is really cool. But I don't think it could ever work here because it's just a bad business model for for. The ownership, I, I can't imagine the owners being on board with, hey, maybe we'll lose $50 million this year if we're relegated to the second <laughs> division. Like I, I don't see that sitting well with with a lot of the owners around the league, but it, it's still a kind of a cool thing. Maybe you, maybe you absorb a couple AHL franchises and make them NHL franchises, and then you have nah, one and two. No, 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 but no. The, the other aspect of that is they have what they call transfers, and some of these guys in their contracts have re- trades, right? release clauses. Yeah. So, like, the Golden Knights could say to a team like Ottawa, you know what, we're going to give you $30 million to buy such and such a player. We want him on our team, and Ottawa could either... No, we're not doing that because we got the salary cap. Yeah, yeah, but but okay. it, it's, a, it's a really cool aspect of it. So, if you if you went 16 and 16, Seattle would have to come in as one of the second-tier teams because they're an expansion mm-hmm. team. You can't just jump right into the top. I'm going to go off the... The most recent, like normal year, even though even though it was the COVID pause, uh, they still we still got seventy games in into that year. So that's where I'm gonna because okay. I don't want to go back too far. But you can't count last year because it was just within the the divisions. So at sixteen, the line between being relegated and staying up in in the league is Nashville. Nashville would stay. And Vancouver will go down. Teams that would been would have been relegated or played the second division: Rangers, Calgary, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Arizona, Chicago, Montreal. So you've got three original six teams already there: <laughs> Buffalo, Jersey, yes. Anaheim, L.A., San Jose, Ottawa, Detroit. So four original six teams. Four of the original six teams would have been relegated. The only two. Uh, at the top, in the top league, in Millard's fantasy world, would have been mm-hmm. Boston and Toronto. That's original six. So that there's a flaw right there. You can't have four of the six original six teams in in the other division. But uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, why not? If they're bad, if they're not good enough to stay in the top flight, then mm-hmm. then they should go down. Boy, you guys are harsh. By the way, that that means that uh, I'm saying you can't Montreal have wouldn't have you, made you can't have an original final. six. No, this was two years or, ago. Oh, two yeah, you years can't ago. have like an you you can't have an original six multiplier or something like that. It can't be all, all original six teams. At least three of six have to be in the main league. Like that's ridiculous. Ooh, then we're watering right. it down. What are we doing? Yeah, I know. Like if if I'm not going to allow transfers, I should be more more mm-hmm. open. I can't start putting in my other rules. But Boston, St. Louis, Colorado, well, would have been up. Vegas, Dallas, Columbus, Florida, Nashville. Now, go fast forward a year. Columbus would be down. Ooh, Minnesota would be up. Would have played their way in. Yep. Interestingly, last year and two years ago, the stats that I'm using from two years ago, Montreal would have been in the second division in both. Ooh. Montreal was 18th, yeah, 18th. overall uh, a year ago. 
Yikes. and then go on that uh, that Cinderella run. Here's the question: Would Ottawa ever make it back into the top division? Would they ever finish in the top sixteen? I would think so. Or would would they just be one day? How, lesser, how, somebody's got to be the lesser city, right? How how long would it take them to to reach the the, the top division again? Like sixteen and sixteen—that's a lot of teams. Yeah, but how if, many would you allow? Say 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 you adopted my plan, okay. my crazy mm-hmm. proposal. How many teams would change year to year? Well, I'll just follow what Six? they do in England. Three. Nah, it's got to be more than no, that. No, why? Why? You've got 16. How many teams in the premiership? <laughs> there, there's 20. 20 teams in England. And only three go up and three go down. I want more than that. Nah. You know what? you got to earn it. You you really have to earn it. I want some. That's that's the whole point desperation. of this. Desperation, yeah. I want I want more shuffling back and forth. Yeah, but but there there's so much going into the final few weeks of the season in England like last year, it was it was a, a weird season because everyone pretty much knew who the bottom three were from basically from the See, beginning. That's of why April we on. want six. All right, make compromise. We'll go four, four of sixteen. That's twenty five percent. The other part of it is is just the cash. Can you imagine Jeremy Jacobs looking looking at this thing, going, uh, "We're going to be relegated, and we're not going to get all the good TV money." Like. Mm-hmm. It would make be so volatile, so volatile. Yeah. You know what we would see more of? What offer sheets? Yes, yes. Yeah. I think we'd see more. I think we'd see more general managers taking their shot and looking to poach as much good talent as they possibly can. Can you imagine a team that's looking to make a change, that's looking to get better, not sitting around and offer sheeting Elias Pettersson if they were faced with an opportunity to get back into the main league? That would absolutely happen. We would see more offer sheets in this situation. There wouldn't be room for five-year plans because teams in the second division want so desperately to get that big cash of the top league that they want to turn around quickly and and go and offer sheets or uh, big trades would be the way to go. I'd feel terrible for the coaches. I'd feel awful, awful for the managers <laughs> because I think they would just be like pff, turnstile uh, away you go. Yeah. Oh, that, that happens, especially in soccer. Like Manchester United has gone through like five managers in the last like seven years. And aren't they good? Yeah. Yeah, they are. That's a scary thing. The problem is someone had to replace a legendary manager, and nobody's been able to fill those shoes. So. You never want to be the guy. No, no. To replace the legend. <laughs> and the, 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 the funny thing is the guy who was tabbed to replace the legend was not giving a very long leash, and he ended up being fired, or as they call it, sacked. He went to another club, Aston Villa, and now, or I'm sorry, West Ham, and now they're one of the better teams in the league. So obviously... David Moyes, a really good manager. You could have called it Ham West. I West Ham, I West Ham. No, no, I wouldn't have known the difference. <laughs> ham West. It, it, it doesn't <laughs> Eggs and ham, ham you, and you eggs. Could do green eggs uh, and ham. Uh, the, the idea of not re- replacing the legend, do you want to be like one after or do you want to be two or three after? What's the What's the optimal place to slide in and take over from – a Scotty Bowman, somebody of of that Ooh. ilk, because you don't so, you don't want to be the guy that when Scotty hangs it up, you step in Detroit or Pittsburgh or Montreal. 
By the way, it didn't go it didn't go well in either of those mm. any of those places <laughs> after. So I think I think more so than how many guys do you do you kind of need in between the legend? I think it's time. I think it's time more than anything else. Like if you are if you've got Scotty Bowman and you go through two coaches in two and a half years, I don't feel like enough time has really passed but between the legend and when you would be taking the reins. I think somewhere in the ballpark of four years to five years after, that's kind of enough of, of, of time that's gone by where you're you're looking to just kind of change that that tune, change that narrative. Enough of the past has been put to bed to where you can look toward the future. Um, so whether or not that's one coach or two coaches in between, probably three coaches, five years, that's where I'd like to be in that situation. Scotty Bowman. Coached the Detroit Red Wings. When he stepped away, do you know who took over? Mm-hmm. Dave Lewis. Nope, Dave Lewis. Oh, jeez. Longtime assistant coach. Okay. Didn't didn't have any success. Then, then Babcock came in. Gotcha. And Pittsburgh <laughs> didn't have success there after Scotty was gone. I'm trying to think in Montreal who took over. For Scotty Bowman in Montreal. Now they they won in '86, and they went to the final in '89. Won in '86 with Jean Perron, who one of those quirky things like he won in his only year there. Montreal's done that twice actually, uh, but taking over from Scotty is a hard. That would be hard. Th- and the other thing that you have to deal with in those scenarios is if you're the next person taking over, all you're hearing about is, well, Scotty did this. Scotty did that. This mm-hmm. is the way Scotty did it. Mm-hmm. And you just become, I would think, even if you like Scotty, and I I, I mean, I love Scotty, you get kind of hard in the head after a while. You'd be like, just enough for the Scotty. Please. I, I, yeah, I. so it looks like Bernie Jeffreyon took over for Scotty Bowman. Okay, how many years did he coached? Coach? Th- 30 games. Yeah. And then it was Claude Ruel mm-hmm. from he was the 1979 assistant. to 1981, 130 games. And then it was Bob Berry. Yeah. 223 games, 81 to 84. So three years. And then it was Jacques Lemaire, 84 to 85. Jean Perron, 85 to Lemaire. Yeah. Because he, he didn't. I can't remember the re- exact reasoning why he didn't stay, because Lemare became legendary coach in, yeah. in Minnesota and, and New Jersey. So Lemare left, and then how how many years did Jean Perron coach? Eighty five to eighty eight, two hundred and forty games, and then that was longer than Pat I thought. Burns. Hmm. Yeah. So they had they had uh, Jeffrey on Ruel, uh, mm-hmm. Barry, Barry. Lemaire, Lemaire, Perron, Perron, five, mm-hmm. five coaches for a legendary team, and they won a championship in that span. But it was a five coaches on a legendary team before they found stability with with Pat Burns. Yeah, huh. yeah, it was five, five coaches in nine nine years. Wow, that's crazy. And and that <laughs> because you still had players from the dynasty from the great seventies teams with Montreal, you you won that championship uh, in in eighty six. So there's 
still a feeling that you could do it, but you were still clinging mm. to the past. And then Scotty's shadow was hanging over it. Hmm. Yeah. So you think four years, three years before you before you can shed the shadow of a legend? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think probably probably as I'm looking at this, probably closer to five, like four to five. I, I think that's probably the um, the appropriate amount of time to turn the page from what has happened before to what you're hoping to accomplish next. And that's a dynasty. If you're yeah. just taking over, like, remember when Pete took over from Gerard Gallant uh, in mm-hmm. Vegas, there was uh, uproar. People were... Yep. But I think part of that was Gerard was so loved because of the, the first year. Mm-hmm. And how much of a percentage do you think was... Pete coming from San Jose, 25%? Or was it more than that? Was it 50-50? Turk was loved mm, and, I, and Pete was on the rival. Well, I think that I, I think it's a lot. I think it's probably, yeah, I, I think it's probably equal parts, if I'm being yeah. honest. 50, 50, I, yeah. You had, especially because it was so, it wasn't super far removed from that contentious game seven against San Jose, right? Like, yeah, only like six We're months. not talking about, yeah, we're not talking about, Three, you know, three or four years after one of the one of the most difficult losses in franchise history, we're talking about six months, and it's that it's the guy that was on the bench of the team that beat you in that situation. Right. So yeah, I, I think that a lot of it had to do with the fact that Pete was San Jose's coach before, when this rivalry was at its height, and Gerard Gallant was so so popular in this city. Well, I think the the little talking trash talk between Pete DeBoer and Gerard Gallant probably added a lot more fuel to the dislike that the fan base had of Pete DeBoer when he was hired. Like I think back game seven before, I mean, I can remember sitting in that, yeah. in that, in that press room, like, Oh my God, intense. what just intense, happened? Yeah. The, the idea, and I know both men really well in mm-hmm. Pete and, and Gerard. So I'm going to default to you guys here because you were there here from the very start and, and covered the first two, two and a half years with Turk and then watched Pete come in. If I take you back to when the change was made in Ottawa mm-hmm. and Pete is hired as the coach of the Golden Knights, on that day, how long do you think you would have said it would have taken Pete to win over the players and the fan base. I think he would have. Um, it, it would have taken longer to win over the fan base and the players. Okay, has it? Has it? Did it happen quicker than you would have said on that particular day? No, because I'm still not convinced that he's won over a pretty large percentage. Are you kidding me? I, I, I'm honest. I, oh my are goodness! You kidding me? Oh, no, I, no, I think. No. Okay. I think there is. There are still because I see it a lot on no, social no. media. There are still people. Oh. Who are unhappy with with they they still don't think that he handled the flower situation correctly last year in the bubble. There's people who well, are upset the, about those that. Those people are, they're wrong. are the loud yeah, they're minority. Wrong. They're wrong because there's I think a percentage. I think he I think he won them over that first year. I he won me over, and not that it matters, but I mean I, I'm I'm all in on Pete DeBoer. Hey, let me go, let me go to somebody who uh, <laughs> who I think I could absorb <laughs> an opinion of a, a little bit easier. Yeah, Wallace. Okay, so did it happen faster um, than you thought? I it did, but at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of circumstances that went into the fact that it happened sooner than I thought it would. 
you got to win, right? If you're a head coach, the, the easiest way to kind of make people forget about the circumstances surrounding you being here, if it's not something that they're ex- ex- excited and open to accepting, is to win and win a lot. And Pete DeBoer has done a lot of winning in the regular season and in the playoffs for the Vegas Golden Knights. So winning certainly helps. Um, I, I do think legitimately think the fact that there was a pause and then there was a training camp that was kind of the moment for me in that training camp leading up to the bubble where Pete DeBoer and the players really kind of became one in the same where they really really came to understand what each other was looking for on the ice off the ice and that's where kind of that happened for me and then you get to the final four in in your first two seasons uh, post seasons as a coach with this team the fan base is going to want an opportunity every single year to win the Stanley Cup, and yeah. that's what Pete DeBoer has provided. So I, I agree with you, Darren. I think the ability to get deep into the playoffs in the bubble, all the circumstances surrounding how crazy of a year that was, and the fact that Pete DeBoer just simply wins, he's won. I think he's won the majority of fans over. There might be some that are, are going to hold out because it's not year one, and, and that's their prerogative. It's their right, but yeah, it happened sooner than I thought it would be. Final note on this. And you you, you could both call me crazy on this one. Chapman, I won't even mm-hmm. make fun of you here. <laughs> but I believe that the sword thing, the tweet, also helped win over uh, the fan base. Because nobody deserves that. Nobody, like there's, whether you were in, out, or on the fence, you, there was a certain amount of... Uh, Humanity. Yeah, I think where you went, like seriously, nobody deserves something like that. It was over the line. It definitely was. It definitely crossed the line. It it maybe galvanized a a portion of the fan base that was on the fence. Um, You know, like you said, I I don't think that it it was warranted, and and it certainly did cross the line. So yeah, I I don't think you're crazy for saying that. As much as I'd like to say, yeah, you're crazy. I know. I I I don't think you are. (laughs) Sometimes. I just want to be crazy, but that that that's uh, See, totally legitimate. I, I just it will it make you as, will it make you feel better yeah. if I tell you that you're crazy for that? You 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 think so? Not really, but I mean, I just <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it if it'll make you feel better. <laughs> uh, when we continue, we've got our top five, bottom five, hitting the number two ranking for best team in the National Hockey League going into this year and second worst team in the National Hockey League this year. And uh, a little update on Jack Eichel that you might be interested in. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Just going through the show notes Ryan Wallace puts forward. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday, yep. I did the show by myself with Chapman. <laughs> that just made me laugh the way I said that. <laughs> How'd that go? Uh, good, but I like I just did the the lineup on a back of a sheet of paper. I still have it right here. <laughs> but which, I, by the way, I did not see. No, no, I was just gonna say it, that's funny, uh, Chapman, because I, <laughs> I, I didn't show Chapman the lineup at yeah. all. The entire show. I, the only thing I told him was that uh, Lawless was coming on at the, yeah. and I think I told him that on the air. Yeah, I, I didn't think you tell did. him that. Yeah, he didn't tell you beforehand. Yeah, so, well so nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. I'm great. sorry, Chapman. The, the, the opening segment was fantasy football and fantasy hockey. You know, 
I, you know, I do want to do a show one of these days where I don't do the show notes. Like I'm on the show, but I don't do the show notes just so that I can see the napkin that Darren Millard does his show notes on. And then I want to be completely in the Look dark about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, I think it's going to be fantastic. Oh my. I'll, I'll send you a goodness. picture of it. Yeah. Like, cause then I start doodling on it <laughs> and <laughs> it becomes just a hodgepodge. Do, yeah. Do, I don't do know how you, you ever, follow that. Do you ever doodle so much on your notes that you forget what you were trying to go to next? Yes. And then you've got to improvi- improvise. <laughs> really? Happened, <Okay>. happened yesterday. <laughs> happened yesterday. <laughs> I had to do a little. I talked about something that I wasn't planning on discussing until later, but I had to use it to get me back on track to to where I needed to go, because I really yes. wanted to talk about the uh, the schedule for. I broke down the VGK schedule by days of the week, mm-hmm. okay. and and it was written on my lineup, scribbled mm-hmm. way over in the corner, and I was looking for it, but I couldn't find it. I knew there was something I wanted to talk about during that that block. And I couldn't find it, so I had to go somewhere else. And I didn't give myself enough time to talk about what I really wanted to talk about was uh, the, the, the busiest days of the week for the VGK. Because I want to plan out people's lives. And if you're a VGK okay. fan, I wanted to tell them which day you should load up on all your kids' activities or your activities because uh, that would be the quietest day of the week for the VGK schedule. And then which day you want to avoid. Like Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can't put anything on the calendar Tuesdays and Thursdays if you're a VGK fan. <laughs> because there's 18 yeah. games on Tuesday, and the VGK play 14 times on Thursday. And then the weekend is, is the same. There's, there's 12 and 12. You know, but they only play on a Saturday and Sunday, like the same weekend, Yeah, twice all year. I'll take that all day long. I knew you were going to say that. I'll take that all day Because you long. work during the week, and then yep. it's like the Saturday, if they're off, that's that's a bonus for you. And if right. they play, then you're working six days that week. So you're basically working six days a week all the time. It's just mm-hmm. whether or not yep. you're getting a Saturday or Sunday off. Is that? That is that is accurate, yeah. Okay. So, now, my, my favorite game all season is always January or December 31st. I love that. The noon game on New Year's Eve at T-Mobile. This year it's against the Anaheim Ducks. Mm-hmm. I think year one it was against the Maple Leafs, which was phenomenal. It was great. You got to see Toronto year one on, on New Year's Eve. But it's it's early enough to where if you have plans, you can still get home, get dressed, go out. Me, I like it because I, I hang out on the strip. I could just leave my car there all day. I don't have to worry about parking or anything like that. What day is that? Uh, I don't know what exactly what day of the a, week it is. It's a this Friday. Year. It's a Friday. It's a Friday, oh. yep. and it's a noon noon puck drop. They play twelve Friday games, twelve Saturday games, and eleven on Sunday. So it's it's a it's a wash. They're busy on uh, all those days. They only play one game on the thirty first this year. Probably that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what gave it away. Uh, but yeah, so that that's what I did uh, yesterday. I had to I had to like just buy some time to to get me over to my uh, days of the week. I I like doing an old school lineup. Like I'm just that person that needs to write it down and do yeah. it. Uh, and instead of on the phone, you're so good at at being on the phone. Like I'm looking at this right now, and I just realized how upset you are with the New York Islanders. I didn't realize that. Okay, so like. 
the Zach Parise deal becomes official today, right? Yeah. So Zach Parise officially signs his contract with the New York Islanders. And I just, okay. What's the deal? Let, well, you would think that if I, if I put, let me, let me get the, let me get the deal. I got it up right here. Mm-hmm. It'll just take me one second to find it. After being bought out by the, uh, the Minnesota wild. That yes, freezing. bought out by the Minnesota Wild. So I hate technology in these moments when you would think that it would all work out for me. Buddy, um, hey, just just right now, that's why you scribble things down. You don't get <laughs> you don't get beat on this kind of thing. You have it scribbled okay, so down. Here, here's the deal. He's still showing UFA on cap friendly. There's no contract details that I'm seeing. So Lou hasn't even let it get that far. And Cap Friendly gets everything. Is that why you're mad? No, I'm I'm mad because I I was expecting more out of the New York Islanders this offseason. I was expecting there to be like a reason why Lou waits until September to announce the deals that he's done in July. And there's just no real reason. It just seems arbitrary to me. Like... Hey, I'm Lou Lamarillo. I'm not going to announce these signings that clearly happened a long, long time ago because I don't have to. I, I just, I don't know. I, I thought it'd be attached to something else. Mm-hmm. I can and see. Uh, I can see why you'd be frustrated there. What are the New York Islanders? Are they a contender for a Stanley Cup? Are they a hopeful team for a Stanley Cup? What, what are the New York Islanders? So when I look at the New York Islanders. What I see is about what they've been over the last two years. Like, I, I look at this team and I say to myself, they're really, really good defensively. I believe in their goaltending. They've got an excellent coach, and they've got enough goal scoring to win certain types of games. I love Matt Barzell. I think he's a fantastic player. Anders Lee is one of those just really, really solid NHL captains. But... Are they going to get to a point where I think they're going to get better or be better than Tampa? And I'm not sure that I necessarily believe it. They got real close. They've been getting closer and closer. Two I think years they're in a among, row, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that they are among the very best in the Eastern Conference. But Tampa Bay Lightning exists, and it's really hard for me to, to call – the, the New York Islanders legitimate contenders when I think the world and I think that Tampa is just as good and dominant as they're going to be this year. I don't think they get nearly the respect that they should. After going to the Final Four the last couple of years and losing to the Stanley Cup champions the last two years, think about how much we love, and I think rightfully so, the Vegas Golden Knights and continue to laud the championship aspirations of the Vegas Golden Knights. And then compare that to the New York Islanders, who would probably get a tenth of the attention as the uh, as the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. I, I, you know, when you look at the the New York Islanders, they're in the exact same spot that the Golden Knights yes. have been over the last two years. And you know, I I anoint Vegas in in a much higher regard simply because I, I just think that. This is a team that's kind of shown different ways to do it. When it comes to the Islanders, 
They they have a style. They play it to a T, and they do really well. I probably look at the Islanders a, a little bit more skewed simply because I I just don't know that that there's going the way that I look at it is in the Eastern Conference, it's Tampa and everybody else. And my measuring stick right now is whether or not the Islanders are better than Tampa. I don't believe that they are. On paper, I don't think that they are. In the games, I don't think that they are. So it's hard for me to call them a contender. Right now, in the Western Conference, to me, it's Vegas and Colorado. Those are the two teams that I look at and I say they are a cut above everybody else. And we know what happened last year when Vegas played Colorado, the Golden Knights won. So that's why I think I look at those two teams differently, even though when you when it comes to where they've ended their season the last two years, it's in the exact same spot. I still think I look at Vegas a little bit differently than I do the New York Islanders. Vegas has to get through Colorado. Colorado has to get through Vegas. In the East, Tampa Bay is the favorite. And then that second tier, that next best, whereas in the West, it's a long way down. You've got a Washington, a Boston still hanging around. Toronto, can they ever break through? Florida, Carolina. There's there's a lot of teams. The, the parity in the East. But when you just look at the last two years, it's amazing how little respect the New York Islanders get uh, compared to the to the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm not complaining. I love the Vegas gets all the attention. He's playing on opening night. But it's an uh, interesting comparison. When we continue, top five, bottom five. We hit the number two spot. Who is the second best team going into the season? And who is the second worst? Uh, we will reset for you going into the hour number two on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Top five, bottom five, plus one-timers coming up hour number two the vgk insider show if you missed any of it just go back download the podcast available every day right after the show as chris chapman uh, puts it up uh, and into the sphere uh, just to give you an idea of what chapman does during the program uh, bruce boudreau is up on the nhl network right now and <laughs> we can't hear what, what gabby's saying but all chapman cares about is if the jukebox behind boudreau in the hallway actually works and what kind of music is in it that's the only thing you care about like there's no concept of hey uh where where do you think gabby's gonna end up uh what uh what's he breaking down right now it's well it's, i i know what he's talking about so but, so yeah but but you're you're just fixated on oh, this jukebox yes. and the gretzky framed jersey yeah now ryan i don't know if you're watching it but if you were going to guess which team the jersey is which one would you guess it's a Gretzky, Gretzky? Yeah. yeah. Which one does Boudreau oh. have framed on his wall in the hallway? St. Louis Blues. Rangers. <laughs> I don't even... What? Which one would you think that it would be? I don't know. Like Edmonton? Hmm. If I had if, so, if I okay. had a Wayne Gretzky jersey, yeah. as, a, as a guy who did not root for any team that he played for, I would have an Edmonton mm-hmm. jersey. I have a Gretzky Edmonton. Yeah. I have a Gretzky Ranger. And I have a mm. Gretzky Campbell Conference All Star. Oh no, that's cool. Game. That's that's yeah. Well, I have three Gretzkys, but nope. I don't have I don't have a I don't have a signed Blues Gretzky sweater. So I would want a signed Blues Gretzky sweater because I feel like that's the rarest of of unicorns you could ever find. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't feel like 
I don't feel like there's any Gretzky jersey that's off limits. I, I really don't. Like, as as much as and it's as funny as it is to say, okay, the the St. Louis Blue legend Wayne Gretzky. I mean, he's the legend, right? He he is he is Mr. Hockey to a lot of people. He is the greatest to ever play the game to a lot of people. Um, to me. I don't have an issue. There's no jersey foul when it comes to Wayne Gretzky. That's all I'm going to say. No, I don't think it's a foul. I just am surprised that it's the Rangers. Like, I, I would, in my pecking order, well... I don't know why that surprises I, you. I guess because, for me, as a guy who rooted for a rival of the Rangers, the Rangers would probably be the last one that I would have. Uh, this is what I will say. If I could have two signed Blues jerseys up on my wall, one Gretzky, one Martin Brodeur. <laughs> No, 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 no. Neither of those things <laughs> that, happened. That's, that should not be acknowledged in any way, shape, or form. What are you doing the, here? Oh. The four-game era of, of Martin Brodeur with the uh, St. Louis Blues. Top five, bottom five. Who's the second-best team in the National Hockey League going into this season? And who's the second worst? It's our number two, the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas coming up.